Deceptions Podcast. Small Wonders with Laurel Moffat. I can remember the first time I made something with origami. I'm not quite sure how you describe that. The first time I origamied something, but you know what I mean. Folding paper to create something. It was a swan. My mother had bought me a small pack of Japanese paper from an art shop. And in the pack was a single piece of paper printed with diagrams and instructions on the sequence of folds needed to create different animals of varying complexity. A frog, a crane, and the swan. The swan looked the easiest to do, so I started with that. I made one fold, and then another, and another. I eventually ended up with what looked vaguely like a swan. It listed to one side, and its beak looked a little displeased about something. But I certainly wasn't. With those first folds, I fell in love with paper and its creative possibilities, and with the art of origami. How the simplest action, making a fold in paper, can turn something flat and lifeless into a three-dimensional work of art. My interest in what you can do with folded paper has tended to express itself as an appreciation of art and craft. I've seen it as an activity of play, of recreation more than anything else, which is, of course, valuable in itself. We so often discount and underestimate the power and need for play. But I wouldn't have thought of origami as the stuff of serious inquiry. I've always thought of it as something you do when you clock off, not something you clock in for. And in this assumption, I've been mistaken. What's so often seen as only the stuff of childhood play has been developed and used by mathematicians and physicists, scientists and engineers, artists and designers in applications of astounding complexity, both the very big and the incredibly small. There are applications of origami that are very useful in the everyday, such as face masks, that through the use of pleats and folds, when flattened, are two to three times the size of standard N95 masks, and therefore more effective in their filtering capabilities. There are other applications of origami, designed to unfold like mammoth flowers in space, such as the prototypes for a giant star shade that NASA is testing. If successful, once deployed, 
this origami star shade would be an important part in the search for habitable worlds. And then there are the infinitesimal origami folds of microscopic robots. The tiniest machines that scientists are developing to help perform microsurgery. They are so small that thousands can be injected into the body through just the tip of a needle and then swim through the blood to the site of an injury or infection. During the pandemic lockdown of 2020, I considered buying a kayak. And in my research, I even found a company that sells a portable, collapsible kayak that, through the wonders of origami, unfolds from a small suitcase into a lightweight boat. One thing, okay, there's probably way more than just one thing, but at least one thing that stands in the way of a full-blown robot takeover is the ability to grasp. The human hand is a marvel. The way we can close and open our fingers so that we can hold something as delicate as a ripened peach, test its softness, and then gently pluck it from a tree without damaging it. It's an action of delicate complexity, so delicate and so complex that no machine can match it. But origami is getting close. Engineers have developed a bell-shaped, vacuum-driven gripper. It looks a little bit like a pleated lampshade. And it has a foldable rubber skeleton that's made of silicon. Its folds follow a pattern of origami that allow it to change between a cylinder shape to a sphere. And when the vacuum pulls the air out of the skin, the origami structure collapses along its fold lines and forms a grip around the object it encloses. This object can be as small as a broccoli floret to as big as a heavy tool like a hammer. When you break down the steps in origami, it all comes down to the fold. The simplicity of folding a flat piece of paper or other material. But what does a fold do to the material that's folded? In terms of paper folding, what happens to the paper when a fold is made? When a material like paper is folded, the crease in the paper remains after the paper is folded and flattened again. Because in the process of folding, the fibrous structure of the paper is damaged, irreversibly so. Every material has two things, an elastic limit and a plastic region. The elastic limit is the point to which a material or substance can bend and still be able to return to its original position or state without any permanent change to its structure. An example of this is if you were to gently bend a piece of paper and then unbend it. If the roll is loose enough, then the paper remains well within its elastic limit and can return to its original state with no evidence or memory of having been rolled. 
But when you fold a piece of paper as you do in origami, the fibers within the paper along the crease are forced into the plastic region. The fold line is a line of fracture, a line of permanent damage in the structure of the paper fibers. And with every fold, another line of fracture is made. Damage, stress, fracture, yet each exists for a purpose. For with each fold, a flat piece of paper begins to take shape until it becomes what it is being folded to become. A frog, a crane, a swan, a face mask, a star shield, a microscopic surgeon. Damage and stress and fracturing are often seen as bad things, and no one wants to suffer, to experience irreversible damage. I don't want it for myself or for the people I love, or for anyone really, especially if there's no point to it. And sometimes it can feel as though there's no point to it. Point or no point, pain and suffering can be just as much a part of life as pleasure and joy. And if suffering in some form is part of what it means to be alive, whether we like that fact or not, it can help to know the reason for the suffering. Or if that can't be known, it helps to know that something good can come from pain. All growth and development involves some level of pain. Anything from the stress of progress and growth, to growing pains, to the straining of muscles as they grow stronger and grow, to the birth of a child. If you can look back and see the point of it all, it helps. And sometimes this is easier to do than others. There's a verse of Christian scripture that I find helpful to consider. It's in a letter to some people in Rome that the Apostle Paul wrote to one day in the first century. The nib of a stylus or calumnus scratching ink into papyri, and then no doubt rolled or folded past its elastic limit and into the region of plasticity. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. That's the first fold. Perseverance. Character. Fold again. And character. Hope. Just as a fold, and a fold, and another fold, the stress, damage, fracture, can turn a flat piece of paper into an extraordinary creature and make the page come alive. 
So suffering, when applied to the particular material of this grace in which we now stand, can, fold on fold, transport us into the plastic region of faith that produces perseverance and character and ultimately hope. And hope offers us a home of such surprising vigor and comforting safety that we can even glory in our sufferings rather than resent them. It doesn't always feel so glorious. Sometimes I think it feels a bit like my first origami swan looked, listing to the side with a beak that looks slightly disgruntled. But regardless, I love that little paper swan. Even in its lopsidedness, it was such a far cry from the flat piece of paper I'd started with. The folds brought it to life. Maybe it's the same with us. A fold of fracture, another of pain, and still another of stress or suffering. What might we become in the process? For me, I'd like the folds to press toward hope. An Undeceptions podcast.